This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, September 13th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. At first blush, when the city of San Francisco officially designates the National Rifle Association as a terrorist group, it looks like an empty, symbolic gesture. But there are practical reasons why such a designation poses a problem. So says Cato senior fellow Walter Olson. We spoke this week. The San Francisco Board of Supervisors took up and passed a resolution branding the National Rifle Association as a, quote, domestic terrorist organization, unquote. And that sounds like they meant to get attention, and they did get attention. Practically, does that mean anything? It's got one symbolic side and one practical side, because the resolution is not a short one. And the symbolic side, I shouldn't call it just symbolic, because it might have some practical effects. But the mostly symbolic side is simply declaring war, as it were, uh, announcing that the NRA is the most awful thing they could think of calling it. And to do so, they had to kind of take a big step back from dictionaries and law books that have tried to <laughs> define what terrorism is in the past. Because you can't use the conventional language of terrorism and turn around and apply it to a membership organization with millions of American members uh, whose basic role is advocacy. Presumably, at least one of those people lives in San Francisco. Yeah. I mean, you could argue about whether or not uh, they are implying that every member is a terrorist, although in common parlance, that would not be an unreasonable thing. If, if, if you are a member of a terrorist organization, then probably you've got something to answer for. But it, it, there's a second part of the resolution which announces that the city should take steps rapidly to uh, uh, basically require city contractors not to have relationships with the National Rifle Association. And this recalls, but is quite a bit more extreme than a resolution that Los Angeles passed a while back, not that long ago, uh, which required city contractors to disclose relationships with the NRA. Now, that was quickly taken to court by the National Rifle Association. And uh, we've had a, rulings from the judge on that. First, the judge saw, I think correctly, that although purporting only to be a disclosure law, it was setting it up for a uh, uh, the city to get, get, the, get rid of those contractors because uh, city officials had already said so and because uh, that's the most obvious motive for doing so. And the federal judge pointed out that uh, there has been Supreme Court precedent on the books for quite a while now uh, saying that cities are not just free to cut off contractors for political reasons. And it is a classic political reason you associated with an interest group that we can't stand. Uh, if they could do that, to penalize association with the NRA, then they could do it to penalize association with many other nonprofits that do politically charged advocacy. And that Supreme Court case is a 1996 case. Uh, only Antonin Scalia and Clarence Thomas dissented. 
uh, it was a county council in Kansas that had uh, cut off a contractor for uh, political reasons. It, it didn't like where he stood on the political spectrum of that county, and the he uh, the court ruled uh, that. Uh, although there is a balancing test involved and the county may have some legitimate interests to the extent that it simply acted to penalize him for his political associations, uh, it ran afoul of the First Amendment. And you feel that uh, this is pretty much precisely what's going on in San Francisco. They've effectively redefined the NRA for the purposes of city business. And does that give them any greater leeway, really? Acting to redefine it is not going to make it more likely that they win the litigation that is almost certainly coming. Uh, it makes clear their animus, as it were. It makes clear their political motive of uh, being angry at the NRA for its advocacy. So they have teed up the fact that that was their motive as opposed to uh, who knows what they could argue, but you know, may maybe we're afraid of associations because we think they're not financially stable or something. Whatever the other excuses would be, they're going to pale now that they've announced we hate them because of what they advocate. And that means that the effort to purge city contractors because those contractors have some sort of side relationship unrelated to their city business uh, with the NRA uh, is something a judge is likely to see for what it is and proceed directly to the 1996 precedent in which uh, the Supreme Court said loud and clear, you can't do that. It's worth thinking if this kind of thing became common, how it would be misused because after the Congress passed the USA Patriot Act after 9-11. They somewhat broadened the definition of domestic terrorism at that point. And the ACLU, uh, I think rightly, got quite concerned saying that people didn't realize the extent to which uh, it might be possible to stretch this term in the future. And the ACLU offered examples of groups that demonstrate and where some violence may happen from some supporters. It, it, it mentioned uh, environmental sabotage groups. It mentioned uh, street demonstrators. But imagine being able to label a wider group of people, uh, most of whom had done nothing wrong, as terrorists because uh, some fringe portion of their membership uh, were extremists. And that caution from the ACLU, I wish people remembered it better because as usual in the areas of civil liberties, everything can be turned around to the side that didn't see it coming. Walter Rolson is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us and suggest show topics on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>